Hallelujah. Praise God. How's everybody doing today? Do you know that above the circle of the earth, the heavens are busy, thriving, like a bee's nest of activity. And what's happening, what's happening in the earth is always affected by what's happening there. So here's the question. Are we connecting at all to that? Because that's what we're doing. We're, our whole orientation is we're praying your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We want that here. That's what we're doing. When we're worshiping, we're saying, Lord, we want what you think. We want what you're doing. We want what you value here. Hallelujah. And so, Father, we declare today that we believe that you have determined before the foundations of the earth to consume the whole of creation with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Father, you have designed a flawless plan to confront principalities, powers, and darkness. Lord, to demonstrate the futility of rebellion and to establish your thoughts, your ways as the only preeminent way to do anything. You are good. 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 good. This morning I was reading in Psalm 148 and I thought, oh, I need to read this this morning. It's like 14 verses, but they're, they're good verses. Praise to the Lord from creation. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun, moon. Praise Him, all you stars of light. Praise Him, you heaven of heavens. (laughs) It's like a command. It's like a command that says all of creation, praise Him. Bow your knee. And you waters above the heavens, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great creatures of the depths. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and the peoples, princes and judges of the earth, both men and maidens, old and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven, and he has exalted the horn of his people. The praise of all the saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. So I want to invite you today, not only to praise the Lord, but participate with us. And if you're here for the first time, let me set the record straight. We've been doing this for a while. We've been doing this for a few years, and some are are young Christians here. Some are old Christians. Some have been around 10 years, some 20, some 30. The point is this. 
is it we didn't begin yesterday it's like a movie you walk into halfway through you don't expect that you're going to start from the beginning just because you came in and so we are we are god's people in the midst of a work that we're learning we're discovering how powerful it is and if you're new to this don't worry about the mystery don't worry about the things you don't understand It's like coming into a fourth-year engineering class. You wouldn't expect to understand if you're going to university. But you can catch up. You can catch up. So as we worship him today, if the things you don't understand, just invite Holy Spirit to come and teach you. Just as we're beginning to sing this song, I feel like... God wants to heal people in this room today. I feel like there, there are knees that God wants to touch. There are joints. There's inflammation. Maybe there's more serious things. Maybe there's chronic pain. But if you need healing in your body, I want you to begin. Just make your way up front here. And our ministry team is going to gather around you. Don't hesitate. Just come right now. We're going to continue worshiping. But I believe there's a healing anointing. So, Father, we declare right now in Jesus' name. Where's the ministry team? Father, in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to start right, you that are sitting in front of me, I want you to hear my voice. I want you to lay hands on your belly. I say, I rebuke a spirit of infirmity, and I receive healing from Jesus today. Now, Father, release healing to this room. Healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Father, we declare today that you are supreme. Now, listen, when I say something like that, you are supreme, part of your mind says, yeah, we know that. But if we really knew that, if we really, really knew that, Our lives would be different. What manifests of the kingdom of God out of your life is what you really believe. Can I say that again? What you really believe, not what you intellectually know, but what you really believe is what is evidenced in your faith. That means we we can know that God can heal, but we don't really believe he heals unless we see healing. We could say that we know that God is supreme, but if we don't see that supremacy, that dominance manifested in our lives, then it's proof we don't really believe it. That's why the Bible says prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. Prophesy not according to the, the, the ultimate superlative superlative language you can come up with that's biblically consistent it says prophesy according to the level that you believe because that's all you can do and so part of the journey is finding out do I actually believe you see the intellectual church is all about data and information and when when you say something it knows it gets bored <laughs> right when you, when you say something it presumes to already give assent to 
But again, the difference between what you give assent to and what you actually believe are monumental. And so we want to declare today that what we know according to our minds is meaningless. What we believe in our hearts is what matters. So Father, shift today what we believe in our hearts. Father, what we believe in our hearts, we declare right now in Jesus' name that God, you are supreme. Come on, I'm trying to bring something out of you because I, I, see, I see the awesomeness of God camped over the nations, camped over the nation of Canada right now. And he's, he's looking for men and women to pull to pull on the actual strand of who he is, now who we believe him to be. Because the victory, his supremacy demonstrated in the nations is coming because a people with full faith begin to say, come. So we say, come. Oh God, come. Oh God, come to Canada. Come to Canada. Come to Canada. Come to Canada. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me try and explain this because I think sometimes we've been here so long we don't even understand this. It's like you keep eating the same food over and over again. Why do you do that if you already had it? Because you understand that the biological processes of your life, you, you need to be revitalized again. And again, and again, it's not sufficient that you did it once. Right? If you start reading in the book of Acts, you're going to see this language. It says, the place was shaken. You know, this is like they're praying after one of them is imprisoned. And the power of God is manifested and says they were all filled with the Spirit. Well, weren't they filled with the Spirit a chapter earlier? Yeah, but they needed it again and 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 again because what they're asking for what they're what they're say so they're saying lord we know that you are supreme but intervene in the affairs of the earth and we're not it's not enough that we know that you are supreme it only matters that you intervene with that supremacy into the affairs of men and that's what's challenging for us Father, we pray right today, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I pray for everyone in this room. I pray for everyone hearing my, my, my words right now, that the enemies hold the, the grips of unbelief, the lethargy, the, the, the uh, dullness of demonic powers wafting over the ap- atmospherically over our lives, over our families, we command you in Jesus' name to receive that thing that's coming against our children and our children's children. Right now, in Jesus' name, we're not going to stand idly by. We're not going to stand idly by. I want you to see, I want you to see what's happening in the night, sometimes your kids, how many of you have kids who have terrors in the night that wake up screaming, wake up fearful, have dreams of witchcraft and occult, have, a, have, a, have dreams of dying, tragic things happening to them. We say right now in Jesus' name, the demonic will not intervene in the dreams of our children. The night season is reserved 
for God to whisper into our hearts the promises and plans that he's had for us before the foundations of the earth. In Jesus' name, we contend. Listen, this is real. This is real. Have you seen videos of people contending against a, a mugger or some, a carjacker on TV or, or on, on Facebook? Well, this is what we're doing. But it's not happening right in front of our eyes. But we can be just as vigilant, just as deliberate. The enemy's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Are you happy today, you parents? Are you happy with the level of faith that's in your children? Are you happy with the revelation of God that's as it is right today? I can't think of one parent who would be happy about the situation in our culture or where your kids are at. Doesn't mean they're necessarily on a bad road, but there's more for them than God that, that we've ever seen and even thought about. And we're contending for that. You know, sometimes... We're so faithless with our kids. It's like, we, you know, it's like, oh, if, they're even, if they even believe in God, I'm happy. I'm not happy if they just believe in God. The demons believe. The demons believe and tremble. I'm not happy with just a vague faith, just a vague notion that God is real. It's not enough. It's not what God intended. Can you contend with me? Come on. See your kids. I say in Jesus' name, Lord, we're not, we're not happy. We're not satisfied. We say in Jesus' name, we contend for this generation. Speak it with your mouth. Speak the names of your kids. I'm speaking for mine right now. Caleb, Matthew, Jennifer, Tiffany, Jaden, I call you into your destiny. I call you into your destiny. Chris, Chris, Chris. Bennis, come up here. I know I'm putting them on the spot. I want you to declare with faith the names of your kids. Yeah, so Father, right now I just lift up my son, Kalen. I lift up my daughter, Mally. And right now, Father God, I just pray supernaturally that your Holy Spirit would minister and speak to them, that you would push through all the darkness, that you would push through all the lies, that you would bring truth, that you would bring life. Father, that you would bring them to a place where they only want you in Jesus' name. So, Holy Spirit, fall upon them right now in Jesus' name. Come on. We're, 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 we're confronting an enemy that's trying to make its way into our kids' bedrooms, into their lives, to kidnap them, to steal them away. What kind of vigilance would you exercise as a father? Are there courageous fathers in this room? Come on, stand up if you're a courageous father. Father, right, this is real. Let's do this. Holy Spirit, we believe. We believe as fathers in this house and mothers in this house, Lord. Every prayer that has been set in place, Lord Jesus. I pray over you, Benjamin. I pray over you, Cheyenne. Over you, Jasmine. Over you, Janiah. Everything that's been prophesied over you. Everything that's been laid in place in the heavens and on earth. Let it be so. Let it be so in your heart. I'm not asking for a little bit. I'm asking for the full flow. For the full flow. I don't want a little trickle. I want a torrent river in my children. I want them to leap, leap from my shoulders. Everything that's been set in place as a father and a mother, would you leap from our shoulders? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Lord. Thank you, Lord. And any of our other leaders, would you like to pray? Come on. I believe this is important. I feel like something is on this for our kids and for us to learn how to battle for our, the next generation. Father, I name my children, Kathleen and Corbin and Bethany. I name their spouses. I name the grandchildren, Ethan, Isaac, Lila, Darcy, Corbin, and generations not yet here. Say, Lord, release the hound of heaven down through the DNA, down through the generations. Release the hound of heaven. Release the word of the Lord. Release angels to watch over this family line. I say it's not enough yet, God. Not enough of your presence. Not enough of your word. Not enough of your anointing. Not enough. Not enough. Let the heavens open. Let the heavens open. Dreams and visions and encounters open up. Open up. Let chains break and curses shatter. Open up. Open up. Open up. We're not done here. We're not done now. We're not done yet. Even more, even more, even more, even more, even more. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things you will do because he's gone to the Father. Greater things. So, Father, we bring before you all those orphans out there, those that don't have fathers, those that don't have mothers. We bring them before the throne of grace, and we call them into their destiny. From coast to coast, we call them into their destiny. We say, Jacob, generation, wake up in Jesus' name. We say, you'll have visitations in the night in Jesus' name. We say that your voice is being restored in Jesus' name, and we call on the blood of Jesus to create a plumb line of protection upon a generation in Jesus name. Amen. God, I just call the destiny of my boys Grant and Caleb. God. Light that fire that was in them. Light that fire that you put in them at one time. Hey God, that it would burn in a way that would would scorch those around them as well and would rise up to a place that is beyond where I can even imagine, God. God, we just call them into their destiny today. And we say, not on my watch will they be able to, will the enemy have them. Not while I am still able to pray, God. So we call them in, Lord. And for my daughter, Ricky, and Michael as well, God, we pray that you would continue to work in their lives. And the, and the granted, and, and uh, Elliot, and Milo, and Ruby, and Rosalind, God, that the things that are planted in them will rise up and grow for generations, that generations to come will be able to uh, to grow from what has been placed in them. I want to prophesy for every ch every child here, every son that would be here, that you've been seated in heavenly places. You are more than a conqueror. Just as David had mighty men that were disgruntled and misfit and whatever and became mighty warriors I declare the mighty warriors rise up today you are a mighty warrior in God you shall do exploits you shall know your God and do exploits that's for every man and woman here I've heard them all my life but the testimonies are this that when the enemy comes to try to steal and kill and destroy he tries to make inroads by making you believe that you're, you are been made vulnerable by your sin. 
And so we say to that spirit, I plead the blood. Why? Because it's a legal argument. It's like being in front of the judge that's deciding whether you, you are in prison, whether you're guilty or not. And, and you can say guilty or you can say not guilty or you can plead the blood. The judge says, what do you plead? What's your status? I plead the blood. I'm not claiming innocence. I'm not claiming guilt. I'm claiming the power of the blood. And there's a spirit that can be repulsed that's trying to make inroads into the lives of our children. We declare the blood of Jesus is a legal boundary around our family. If you believe you and your whole family will be saved, call upon the Lord and your whole family will be saved. To that spirit that creeps in the night, that whispers in the quiet places, to that spirit in Spruce Grove, Parkland County, Stony Plain, that thinks that it is unseen and that thinks the things that it is whispering to our children between the ages of 3 and 15 years old, I say to that spirit right now, you are seen and you are heard and in the name of Jesus, I say, hands off of our children. In Jesus' name, right now, get your hands off of our children. Hands off, not allowed. And I want to say, Shame is coming to an end. The power of shame is coming to an end in the name of Jesus. So blood is a ratifier. So there's a contract called the covenant. And when Jesus died, there was blood that was ratified for a covenant. And part of that covenant is the deliverer. So what we're doing this morning is enforcing the contract of the deliverer. Amen. So on Wednesday, I had a vision over Alberta. And over Alberta, there was a chain from the northeast to the southwest and the, Chris, yeah, that, you know, northeast to the south. You got the idea. From four corners, okay? And I saw Jesus prick his finger and one drop came and there was a lock where these two chains crossed. There was a lock and as the the, the blood dripped. Now, I understand that Jesus has already died and paid the price, okay? But prophetically speaking, this drop came through the second heaven untouched. And it came into the first heaven, which is the earth, untouched. And this lock opened itself up. And this, this drop hit this lock. And I could see through the drop of blood. It wasn't red. It was clear because it was perfect. And the Lord said, there's a blood test over Alberta. There's a blood test over Alberta. So we declare the only true pure blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, will unlock a generation, will unlock a province in Jesus' name, will cause the captive to be set free in Jesus' name. So we don't come on our own standing, but we enforce the blood of Jesus Christ across a province in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, Darlene is here. She's got something from the position of a mother, and she's going to finish with a repentance and a prayer and a declaration. So, Father, I want to repent where my, my fears for my children, where I've locked them into my fear, Lord, and I have tried to self-protect. I speak a releasing of my children. 
I release my children in faith to you, Lord. You are able to deliver them. I saw in the spirit my mother, and my mother was always sad. I never even tried to connect this to Mother's Day. But I saw her so full of joy. And I said, Lord, you're breaking family, generational, bloodline, bondage. Mary said, the Lord said to Mary, a sword will pierce your soul. She had to release them. She had to release Jesus to his calling and destiny in God. And I say today, Lord, as a mother, I release, I release my children from my fears, my insecurities. Ha. I give them over, Lord, to you. The blood, the blood of the new life, new life in my sons, new life in my son. I want to see them born again. I don't want them to just be okay. We repent of being okay, Lord. Now in that, in that there's the repentance over fear. Fear is not a good preserver. Fear opens the door to the demonic. Fear is an expectation that things which have not come will come, are inevitable. You think, well, no, 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 I I don't think I have that. Well, let God be the judge. Let God be the judge. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but when I was a young teenage boy and I had my first crush, uh, and I started to like a girl... And she started to go out with me. And I remember just being so fearful that to, of losing her. And that fear of losing her was equal to the passion that I had for her. Why? Because that love is not real love. It's the need to possess. And sometimes we have things in our life that we need to possess And it's accompanied by a terror and a fear of losing them, which demonstrates what they really are. Ho? Soulish love is the inverse of possessive fear. Right now, soulish love is the inverse of possessive fear. And if you camp over your children with a possessive fear, thinking that, you can build enough walls to keep them safe. You're not releasing faith at all. And the thing you fear will come on their life. And if you fear they won't serve God, they won't serve God. Because you're feeding them a diet of that their whole life. And if you think, well, you know, this church demands a little bit too much for my kids and they won't understand, so I'm going to keep them back so as to not offend them. That's fear. That's fear. And you know what? They won't understand, and they won't come. Oh, that landed. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, forgive us for fearing the supernatural. Forgive us for not believing you enough to expose our children to everything that you are. Father, some of you have feared that they wouldn't understand the supernatural, so you, 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 you just gave them the natural gospel. God wants you to be good, you know, and God, God loves you, and God is love, so we need to be loving. Everything else, uh, Father, help us 
raise believing children, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, part of this morning's exercise is very deliberate. I didn't think I was going to do this. I wasn't planning on doing this. But I didn't feel like I had a lot to say. I have some to say, but I don't feel like I have a lot to say. I always got something to say. (laughs) But we have to realize, we have to, as Christians, because we give lip service to certain realities, but we don't live like they're real. The Bible says the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. All right, so the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. How many of us exercise the weapons of our warfare as often as we lock the door, right? I mean, how many of you forget to lock the door at night constantly, all the time? You leave your keys in your car, and you leave the door open in your car, you leave your money out on the front step. Like, like we, we're cognizant of risk, and we, we, we take actions that mitigate those risks constantly. That's a natural approach to preserving the thing that you, you, you don't want to lose. We're, we're fully disposed to do that continuously. But you know, how many times do we forget to pray? I'm not, it's not a condemnation, it's just a reality. Where, where is your faith? What do you really believe orders the affairs of men? What powers do we draw on to keep ourselves safe? I don't mind walking my door. And I'm not saying leave money out on the front step. But I am saying there's a world of provision that we barely reach for where we only occasionally, in the moments of great crisis, in the moments when there's tremendous risk, you know, when, when the, the prospect of loss is right in front of us, you get, a, you get a bad health, you know, report from the doctor, and then all of a sudden, fasting and prayer becomes important. Right? How can I be as alert as when the enemy's at the gate? But we wait till the enemy's at the gate because we are dull in our senses and we don't perceive the battle that's going on. And we only engage when the battle specifically touches our, our life. Then it's like, quick, get the church to pray. Now, <laughs> what's, what's the solution? Faith. The solution is not, oh, let me guilt you into all the things you should do if you had faith. No, 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 no. That's, that shortcut is a false measure. What I want us to have is faith. What I want us to have is an interaction with the invisible world that's seamless and constant. Because God has made you to perceive the invisible. Your DNA, your spiritual DNA comes with inherent gifts to interact with an invisible, unseen realm. And furthermore, the power of the kingdom at work inside of you is to pull the resources of that unseen realm into this realm. This is what we're called to do. This is how dominion is happening. And in a second, I'm going to start looking at some scriptures in Acts chapter 2. 
Because I feel like God has challenged me this week to begin to believe him for things on a scale that I haven't, I haven't really contended for. You know, sometimes we're just, we're just happy with where we're at. You know, I've got, a, I've got a reasonable ministry. Somebody said to me once, you know, you know guard your reputation. I'm thinking, I don't know, the Bible says he made himself of no reputation. And the justification, oh yeah, but the reputation, guard your reputation with the church, with believing people. Well, I'm not sure the appeals that need to be made to get people's assent is, is really all in line with the kingdom. Father, open up to us new horizons of faith and abilities. Ah, I'm starting to see it. Some, I look at some of you and I feel the realms of possibilities opening up over your minds. Yes. Technologies, inventions, outreaches, evangelists, prophets, seers. Father, we say in Jesus' name, we're going to lean in. We say your kingdom come. I want you to know that inventions, uh, revelations about how creation works, the chemical, biological, atomic structure of the universe is a part of the knowledge of God that leads to invention. And industrial improvements that change the lives of mankind because God is there to improve our lives. He wants to improve our lives, but he says, listen, the realm of the spirit is where all the knowledge is. And I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you. There are anointings that God has for financial markets, for government, for education. Now, we think of revival in a linear kind of a way. We think of revival as, well, if the realm of signs, wonders, and miracles would open up, that's revival. It is. It is. But the same dimension of power that comes in a moment of revival to bring the knowledge of God and the conviction of sin that changes, delivers us and heals us and aligns our life with his moral character, that's just one facet of the knowledge of God. Everything necessary for life and godliness is in the knowledge of God. That's what the Bible says. Everything necessary for life. So, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, I feel like I'm, I'm pushing at the limits of some of our minds. I feel, I feel this tension even right in my brain. That my, I, it's, like, it's like I'm, I don't know if I, I'm just hearing the words coming out of your mouth, but it's like there's a dissonance around it. I can't really grasp what that means for me as a plumber, what that means for me as a realtor, what that means for me as a student or, or a, uh, 
a, a young businessman, a salesman. But the Lord is calling us to lean into something today. It can start with your kids. But there's just so, so much more. Now I want to read Acts chapter 2. Now if you, maybe last year sometime, I shared about a vision that John G. Lake had. But I'll tell you the whole thing. (laughs) Now, as it happens, I only remember the very, very basic details of the vision. But John G. Lake was visited by an angel. And, uh, and the angel points to Acts chapter 2 and runs his finger down the pages and says to John G. Lake, contend for this. Contend for this. And he points at this passage that I'm going to read in a second. And he says this to him. He says, this alone will meet the need of mankind. Father, give us revelation today. There's a war going on right now for something the Lord wants to settle in our hearts today. For something, a divine alignment that God wants to bring us today. Because our tendency is, I come to church, I want to get a touch of God, and I want to go away and do life. But God is saying, listen, your ability to do life is not just based on that touch, but how often that touch can be repeated. That touch connects you with something, but staying connected with that is the object. But our natural-minded ways and I mean all of us, I mean me, I mean you, and you, Brian, particularly Jen Bannis, Chris told me to say that. (laughs) It's just the way it works because our natural default is to be natural in our thinking. Right? That's our orientation. We're oriented around the natural. That's our first order of connection. Five senses. I see. I feel. And, and those things compete for our attention. They're tyrannical in the sense that they, they don't want to let us use the abilities of the spirit. Because it's just a go-to. That's, it's just easy to go to. It's right there, right in front of you. But this is what it says in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Something landed on them. Something from heaven opened up, 
and just like a water spout begin to gush enormous amounts of living water on that group of people. They were so captivated by that flow like water. You know what happens if you actually started releasing tens of thousands of gallons? Well, Gavin and Melody would be crushed. But uh, if if you started literally in the natural pouring out, what would happen? Would Would that water stay nicely in this room? What would it do? It would, it would get to a point where it would fill the room and then those doors would begin to give way and, every, and the water would begin to spill out into the street and into the hallway and into the... I mean, if it keep coming, it would just wherever it would go and it would take you. It would take you down the road and here and there and we would all go different directions from that water spout, that filling here, just millions of gallons of water would be carried out. Well, this is what happened to them. They're in this upper room. This water of heaven starts to be poured out. And next thing you know, they're in the streets singing and praying in tongues. Woohoo! And, and some pragmatic person would think, well, that's not an efficient release uh, way to to. To release the gospel, we need to. How they're not even going to understand what's happening, and it doesn't look like there was any attempt to explain why is it in this intellectual Western world we always lead with trying to get people to understand. I mean, firstly, you don't want to expose them to anything they don't understand because that might confuse them. Yes, might tell them that their worldview is incomplete. How terrible would that be? (laughs) But it spills out into into the streets and they're all praying in tongues in front of non-believers. You can read it. Not, Not only that, but they behaved in such a way that opened them up to the accusation that they were drunk. Now what might that look like? I don't know. Drunkenness? (laughs) Drunkenness? <laughs> what, what is it about us that we value so much spiritual sobriety? What is it about us that we, we just, we're holding on to the reins of our, our, our dignity by embracing spiritual sobriety because I don't want to do any you know one time I got up during a conference hit a stick on the ground I, I guess I got caught up in a moment and wouldn't you know it they were running the cameras I saw it I saw me on camera doing a foolish thing oh I felt so stupid I, I vowed in that moment I would never do that again <laughs> right because our value system is now, on the other side, you've got people doing foolish things just for the sake of being foolish. But it goes on to say this. They were filled. And it says, And then there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our language in which we were born? 
Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God and say they were amazed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, they are full of new wine. Now we know what happens here. Peter gets up and he gives a sermon. And he, and he explains to a certain degree. But my point is this. Is that he wasn't, they weren't afraid of doing something ridiculous and explaining it after. There's, in so many churches, in so many pulpits, there's this fear that somebody might be offended by us doing something weird We shut everything down so as to appeal to a level of understanding that's dismal, that's elementary. And God is saying, listen, this is the company of the the believers. This this is the company of faith-filled people. And we're just starting to discover the weapons mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And if our orientation becomes, will they out there who have never been here understand, what is the chance our, our, our advancement will be retarded? Absolutely. We will be unable to go beyond much of the boundaries unless of men's understanding of what is presently acceptable to people. Well, you know, the church down the road doesn't do this. I don't care. The church down the street does not necessarily fully represent Jesus. I want what Jesus did. I mean, at one point, he spit in somebody's eye. Is that where the saying, that's spit in your eye? Is that where that came from? How badly do we want this? While I was sitting listening to Mark, the Spirit of the Lord said to me this. There's too many people that have uh, tried to offer, come to the funeral and enjoy yourself. And they've been these, you know, dress nicely, but stay quiet, stay orderly. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying, I have called for a party. It's good news about the resurrection of my son. I'm releasing an atmosphere of the party back into the church because there's something that actually will attract the world, and it's not a funeral. They're attracted to the sound of celebration. They're attracted to the sound of joy. In the midst of that atmosphere is where miracles break out and people get free. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what the Lord's releasing back in. But the challenge to us is that we've got to agree that, okay, it's a party. I got to be involved. I cannot be the one standing quietly against the wall waiting for the temperature to finally get up to the right spot and the music to finally hit the... You've got to be the first one on the dance floor. Somebody's got to release joy. Somebody's got to release the spirit. And we've waited for someone else to do it for so long, too long. And this is going to begin to, it's like the fork in the road. And the further that you wait, the longer you'll have to go back to the fork in the road to change course. So I'm saying, set your heart. 
set your heart because we're about to go into something that is going to totally get unhinged at times. In Acts chapter 3 verse 1 it says, Now Peter and John went up t- together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful. They laid him there to ask alms of those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, of Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they all knew it was he who sat begging alms in the beautiful gate at the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Now later on in chapter 4, verse 8, Peter was... speaking to the rulers of the Jews, and he said, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and he began to preach. Then in chapter 4, verse 31, I want you to just see Peter again is preaching, and he's telling the people, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, or maybe he's praying, I can't remember, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles of the people were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now look on their threats and grant your servants that all, with all boldness they may speak the word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Let me quickly wrap this up. Our default setting is not to look for fresh water but to live out of the water that we have. We have a a little dip in the driveway outside here, so even though we got new pavement, it's not quite level. So there's a little spot where the water collects, and it's there for a finite period of time after a rain because it evaporates, and we drive through it, and before long, it's gone. But this is like our default. Imagine if you didn't know there was running water here in the church, And that's all the water you knew was available. And on a hot day like yesterday, 29, 30 degrees here, that was your only go-to. And you went and lived out of that, and it's it's a diminishing pool. It's always a diminishing pool. When God touches you, when when something opens up and the heavens begin to release, or or something is unlocked inside of you and the river of God starts to be released, 
That is, that is a point where you are refreshed, you are renewed, your attention reverts back to this beautiful source. But the nature of our minds and our souls is that we forget quickly where that came from. And we're left with the residual. We're left with the overflow. And we're left with a diminishing reserve. But you know what? Some of us are pretty clever. Some of us are intelligent enough to, make, to do a lot with that little amount of water. Some of us, you know, we, we've been healed enough because we've been visited by the presence of God or we've been raised in healthy, you know, households and we can, we can get along with, you know, without a new touch. This game, if you want to call it that, is not how can you last, how long can you last without a new touch? It's can you live out of a new touch? His mercies are new every morning. But there is this disposition, this default that always wants us to go back to the natural, to that thing that touched our soul. So we remember how it felt when God touched us rather than saying, God, touch me again. God, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. No, I I have this reserved. It's not yet completely gone. I'm not famished. I'm not not, totally at thirst. I'm not in a a famine land. I'm not in the midst of a drought. I've got a a half a cup left. I'll just just have a little bit. And just just less and less. Why? Because something in us doesn't want to go to the source, is unable to stay connected to the source. But the early church... They went for outpouring again and again and again and again. Now, we're technically a Pentecostal church. And the Pentecostal movement came out of Azusa Street in that era, early 1900s. And what happened was there was such a famine, such a dearth, such a, a, a lack of living water. People hungered and thirsted. And then the deluge came. But as soon as the deluge came, there's always some clever guys heaping up the water and then making it palatable and packing it in little baggies in the terms, you know, in terms of self-help ministries. And, and this is what you knew. Hold on till he comes again. No, you don't have to hold on till he comes again. Let's just get more when this runs out. Let's spend it. Let's release it extravagantly because there's an endless river of this. Perpetual revival is a people that tap in to the endless river of it. Not just the ones who look for this occasional storm to come. That's what's coming. That's what's coming. A generation of people are going to realize, wait a minute, no. Out of my innermost being is a river that flows every time. Every time I get in the room. Every time I begin to praise him, every time I get in my car and begin to pray in tongues, I feel heaven and earth move. I feel the flow of his spirit. I don't have to live on yesterday's little drink. I don't have to gather with thimbles enough to make it through till next week or the week after. Now, truth is this. A lot of people, that's how we live, because we're not there yet. We don't know how to get living water. 
And so like the woman at the well, we're asking people around us, give me some of this living water. And we live out of the overflow of other people's faith. But what God is trying to do is say, listen, I could revolutionize Canada. You just need a little more water. And I have everything you need. I have everything you need to save every people group, to change every cultural darkness, to eradicate sin, to bring healing and deliverance, to roll back the demonic agenda off of this nation. If my people would seek my face, if my people would seek my face, if my people would live for another breakthrough, another breakthrough, another breakthrough. This is our daily bread. I'm going to invite the worship team forward. We're going to do a last song. And we're going to minister and pray for people. If you're here today, you're thinking, man, I want to be able to access that presence of God. I want to know that this is real. I go from week to week. At moments, I start to think that, you know, you know this, this is real. I want to I wanna, I wanna keep my hand on the throttle of this thing. I want to be dipping my toes into the living water. I want to be drinking from that fountain. But then you get pulled away, and next thing you know, you find yourself for a couple weeks living out of the overflow of your, your diligence, over the overflow of your discipline, over the overflow of, well, I know God is alive. And that, that intellectual reality is what keeps you pinned into your Christianity. Well, let me tell you, it's not enough. It's not enough. There's more. You're meant to drink and live in the river of God. When you do, everything in your life will start to flourish. Everything.